This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. At Courageous Church, this is our mission that we would help people become courageous followers of Jesus both here in SLC and beyond. And so a big part of how we do that is by journeying with him. Turn to somebody and say, I'm ready for the journey today. Today we're gonna talk about this journey to Christmas and to do so we're gonna retrace the steps of some people, some very important people within the birth narrative of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter one. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna take some intentional steps along this journey to walk closer with the Lord and to really hear what he wants to say to us as the church. And I believe to do that, we're gonna retrace these steps together. Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. The title of my message today for anybody taking notes is Moving from Fear to Favor. Moving from Fear to Favor. Today I want to talk about how God wants to move each and every one of us from being what I'm going to call today fear conscious to becoming favor-focused. Say it with me, favor-focused, not fear-conscious. Let's be honest, many of us live with a certain degree of fear. We have fear about what's happening in the world as things continue to intensify. And we saw this week that the ceasefire in Israel was ended and we are back to war and the shelling of war and rockets and all the things. We sometimes wrestle with the fear of what's going to happen in our lives with the economy and rising prices and inflation. We sometimes wrestle over fear of what's going to happen politically. Next year we know it's going to be a wild year politically, so giddy up, buckle up, it's going to be fun. Or sometimes we just wrestle wrestle over what's going to happen next in our own lives. Are we going to get the job or the promotion or is my parents going to be okay? For those that have older parents, or aging parents, are my family members who don't know Jesus going to be okay, right? So we have all these different fears and concerns sometimes that we're conscious of. But I believe that in this time, and especially in this season of Advent, what we call the coming of Jesus, the, the reminder of Jesus coming among us to bring us this great hope, that we don't have to live fear conscious, but that we can be faith or favor focused. Say it with me again, favor focused. We know here in verse 26 and 27 that Mary was a virgin 
engaged to be married to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And this is important for Luke because Luke is providing credibility for the fact that Jesus is the descendant of David who is going to rule from David's throne over the house of Jacob forever. We've talked a lot the last few weeks and over the last couple months about this throne of David and this tent of David and this reality of you and I as believers being grafted in to the people of God, the house of Jacob, the house of Israel. And so the angel comes to acknowledge that what Mary is going to carry will be the fulfillment of what God said he would do in and through his beloved son, Jesus, for all of Israel and, of course, the world. And over the past few weeks, we've talked a lot about how God has this plan to save Israel and to rule over it from Mount Zion when Jesus physically returns. One of the beautiful things about the first coming is that it points us to the second coming. And I don't want to overshadow or eclipse his first coming today, but I want us to understand within the kernel of this seed of the incarnation, that means Jesus coming and taking on flesh among us, is this promise of him coming again to rule and reign over the entire household of Jacob and his church. What a glorious promise we have right within this text. Additionally, we also know that this message comes by way of this angel named Gabriel, who was sent by God to Mary and Joseph here in the city of Nazareth. Something I want you to know about the city of Nazareth, maybe for, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the text or unfamiliar with this story, Nazareth wasn't all that exciting. Uh, who's ever been to like a small town in like rural America, like Midwestern rural America, right? We all kind of know that town. I remember growing up in Southern California, we used to take our youth uh, to youth camps out in the middle of the desert. We used to go to this little place called Hemet. And if you've ever been to Hemet, you know it's kind of this podunk little place, right? There's nothing exciting about it. There's nothing terribly remarkable about Hemet. And uh, outside of this youth camp, there really wasn't a whole lot to do. And in, in some ways, that's kind of like Nazareth. There's really nothing glorious or amazing about Nazareth. Nazareth. Nazareth would not be a New York City, would not be a Chicago, would not be a Paris, France, or a Rome. No, Nazareth was a small little town in rural Judea. In the same way that there's nothing special about Nazareth and nothing remarkable about it, this was the exact place that God wanted to show forth something remarkable and something miraculous. Can I tell you today and just encourage you today, you might think that your story is not remarkable enough for God to shine glorious light through, but I'm here today to say something different. I'm here today to tell you that regardless of your story, regardless of what you've walked through, regardless of where you come from, come on somebody, that God wants to do something remarkable in and through your life. Does that encourage anybody today? Am I talking to anybody that's awake this morning? Come on. All right, just making sure. Listen to what John says about Nazareth. John chapter one, verse 46. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip says, come and see, come and taste, come and take a peek. You know, you might feel like there's nothing great about your story or where you come from, but I want to tell you that God has other plans for your story. And the story that he's writing, come on, includes sometimes unremarkable things. God loves to use the unremarkable unrem to showcase the remarkable. That's what I'm trying to say this morning as we get started today. And so this angel visits Mary at Nazareth with a word from the Lord, and the word of the Lord is this, verse 28. And he came to her and said, greetings, oh, favored one. I want you to underline that in your Bibles or swipe that on your smartphones. Greetings, oh, favored one. The Lord is with you. 
Now, before we get to the the news, the initial news of his coming, there's something remarkable about what we see right here in this verse. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. The prophetic word of the Lord comes to Mary. We see this beautiful promise of what God is gonna do, but within that promise and embedded within this greeting is the fact that the Lord is with us. The Lord is with you. We have the presence of not just a promise, but a person. And I wanna say to anybody today watching online or maybe new to following Jesus, that there is more to life in Christ than just religion. There's more to life in Christ than just doing good works. And we're gonna talk about that in a moment. But there's more to Christ and more to a relationship with God than than merely checking the boxes, the man-made boxes of religious life. There is this invitation for those that would stop and listen and pay attention to it to experience the presence of God, to experience his person. And here it is. The Lord is with you. That's what we celebrate every Christmas season, Emmanuel. It means God with us. And here it is right on the lips of Gabriel himself. Maybe you stumbled into this place today needing to be reminded of this glorious truth and revelation that God is with us. And not just with us, but with you personally. And what you're walking in and what you're going through. He's with you. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that when you wake up in the morning that he's with you? Do you believe that when you go to work, he's with you? Do you believe that when you fight with your spouse, he's still with you? All right, maybe he stepped out of the building for a bit, but he's still with you. He's with us. And that's important for us to understand. Before anything else is said, God is with us and with Mary. Notice what, he's, what else he says here. He says, greetings, O favored one. That word favored in the Greek means to be a person who is endued with special honor and blessing and most of all grace. The root word of the the word favored is grace, charis. It means to be endured with favor, unmerited, undeserved favor. So the angel is affirming what God says about Mary. She's a person whom God loves. She's a person who he endues with honor and blessing and grace. And the thing about grace or favor, that's the word we're going to use today, favor, is that she didn't earn it. There was nothing that Mary did in her life to make her all that special or unusual or remarkable. She didn't earn grace, and the truth is is that we cannot earn grace. Have any of you tried to earn grace? Have you tried to do good things for God in hopes that maybe he would favor you or bless you? How many have found that to be a foolish enterprise? Pastor Jason has. Pastor Candace has. And today, for many of us, This is what God wants to address first before we discuss how we move from fear to favor, how we move from fear to faith. We've got to get beyond what we call our works righteousness. What is a works righteousness? A works righteousness is is assuming or thinking that because we do good works for God, that he loves us, that because we serve him, that we are righteous. But what we know about grace is that it cannot be earned, it cannot be bought, it cannot be accumulated, it cannot be bargained for. It is a gift. Grace is a gift. And it's a gift available to all who call upon 
the name of Jesus who put their faith, hope, and trust in him. Can I tell you something else? Many today are striving to earn something that God has already freely given them. They're trying to earn something that has already been given to them as a gift. And what I love about this word from God right here on the lips of this angel is that before Mary could do anything wonderful for God and bear forth this promise and this Messiah, God already loved, God already chose, and God already endued her with divine favor. In the same way, God does the same thing for us, for his church, for his bride, for his people that he loves. Before you ever loved God, God already loved you. And maybe today that's what you need to start with, is just recognizing that God loves you. The story of Christmas is ultimately the story of a God who loves us, who came down in human form, in Jesus, in human flesh, wrapped himself as a gift of grace for us. What gets in the way of us receiving the gift? Pride? I don't need God. I can do it my way, right? That's where many of us were in the world before Jesus came rushing in. What else gets in the way? Sometimes fear and insecurity. I'm never going to be good enough. God already sees that, and he loves you just the same. He loves you despite of your shortcomings, weaknesses, and flaws. How many are thankful for that today? God, we're so thankful for that this morning, that you love us despite our weaknesses. And in the same way, we sometimes need to be reminded that he's given us this grace in a person. It's not just this nebulous floating idea out in the ether. No, grace is found in a relationship with a person named Jesus, Yeshua of Nazareth. And here it is, just again, to reaffirm his great love and affection for us. He comes to each and every one of us to say, greetings, O favored ones, the Lord is with you. I wonder today what impedes your ability to hear and believe that message? What stands in the way of you living as a person who is highly favored of the Lord? Today we're going to get into this a little bit. Throughout our journey to Christmas, we're going to look at some, what I'm going to call different elements and kind of obstacles that get in the way of us moving beyond the current limitations of our day and moving into favor and faith and wonder. It's going to be good. So, verse 29, here we go. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You know, it's interesting to me, most of us would think like, well, oh my gosh, what, what an amazing announcement. But here we see from the text that Mary was greatly troubled. It says she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to figure out, she was trying to discern, she was trying to understand what God was saying to her. But Luke points out that she was greatly troubled. And you know why she was greatly troubled? I believe because she was afraid. She was afraid. How do we know this? Verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel says, for you have found favor with God. There it is again. This reminder of her having favor with the Lord. So what troubles or what greatly troubles our ability to operate in favor? Well, I think it's simple. Fear. Fear does. In fact, fear is such a real and troubling presence for most people's lives that God has to actually get involved and confront it directly himself. Have any of you ever been confronted directly by God with regards to fear in your life? You know, when we were walking through COVID together as a church, 
I came to a place where I, I began to recognize and realize from the Lord that there was fear operating in my life. There was, there was things that I allowed to get attached to me that I began to align my thinking with that were of fear and not of favor, that were of fear and not of faith. And I wonder sometimes if we would recognize all the ways in which we make false alignments with, with things or statements that are not from God, but that are from other people, maybe the, the, the enemy or the evil one, or perhaps even just the world. Think about it. Each and every day we are in a world littered with a cacophony of voices, all just competing and vying for our attention. I mean, I mean it's, it's insane to me how loud the noise has become, but we, we think about it like it's normal. We're like, ah, no big deal. You ever been like in, in your, your house and you've got like the TV on and you've got like Spotify on in another room and then like the kids are running around and then there's like people making food in the, the kitchen. I'm kind of talking about my house right now. <laughs> yeah, and, and you ever step out of that and just go, oh, I didn't realize how loud it was. This Christmas season, you know what I believe the Lord wants for us most of all? Is to be able to step out of the noise and to go, whew, I didn't realize how loud that was. So that we can hear the voice of God, the word of the Lord to us, reminding us of how much he loves us and how favored we really are. So, what troubles our, our, our understanding and our ability to hear this and to know this? Fear. And, and because of this reason, God in the Bible has to confront it directly with, with things like, or statements like, do not be afraid. In fact, that statement itself, do not fear or fear not, is repeated over and over and over and over, hundreds of times in the scriptures. And I believe the, the reason why he does this is because we're all kind of susceptible to, to falling into fear or, or wrestling with fear. So the real question is today, how do we deal with it? How do we get to the root of it? How do we deal with it the way God tells us to? Well, number one today, we put our trust in his love. We put our trust in his love. Listen to what the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And we all know who those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, meaning not lacking, it's complete. So we will not be afraid on the coming day of judgment, but we can face God with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels or casts out all fear. If we are afraid, it is only for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not yet fully experienced God's perfect love. John says right here that one of the ways that we, we learn how to move from fear to favor is by putting our trust in the perfect love of God that deals perfectly with each and every one of our fears. Sometimes the root cause of our fear is not the voices in the world, the voices in our lives, the voices of our homes, but that inner voice inside that says, God's going to strike me down. God's going to harm me. God doesn't really love me. I'm not sure. And because of that, John says, there's this fear of punishment, this, this misunderstanding of, of how we're going to face judgment one day, not as those who have received the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but as those who still haven't yet experienced his perfect love. What's the invitation for us to come out from being fear 
focused and to become favor-oriented, to be focused on the love and the favor of God. As those who are cherished in the beloved, as those who have been chosen, as those who have been given this free gift of grace. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Now, I'll say this. For many of us, I think we know that intellectually. I think we know, like, mentally we can assent to the idea or fact that God loves us. Like, I know he loves me, but we know it up here. My question for us today is, have we allowed that belief here to move into here? Have we made the journey from head to heart? We're talking about journey to Christmas. That journey begins when we move beyond head knowledge and move into heart understanding. What am I saying? Well, in the same way, my wife knows that I love her. She knows it intellectually, but it's not until I spend time with her and cherish her and love her with gifts, <laughs> which happen to be her love language, by the way. Come on, somebody. That she starts to really know and experience that love. I can tell her I love her all day. And she's like, that's cute. But you want to love me? Love me. Show me some love. Turn to somebody and say, show me the love. Show me. If you're single, find that single person in the room and say, show me. No, I'm just kidding. Show me some love today. Can anybody find me? Somebody to love, right? That's the invitation for us to experience love, to put our trust in it, to center ourselves. Trust and how I'm going to define trust today is violent surrender to utter dependency on God. Can I say it again for those in the back? Violent surrender to utter dependency on God. You know, we're in a violent world, and a violent world requires an equal and opposite violent reaction. You, you ever heard of Newton's laws of physics or laws of motion? Here's what his third law states, that for every action or force in nature, there must be an equal and opposite reaction. Can I tell you something? The flesh, the world, the devil are constantly and violently imposing fear upon us which is why we, as the people of God, need to be equally and oppositely violent in our reaction to it, which means we need to push back against fear. And the way that we do this is by violently surrendering our lives, putting our trust in God alone. Now that sounds pretty and that sounds wonderful, but practically how do we do that? How do we live that out? How do we, how do we actually step into the invitation to do this. Well, practically speaking, I think it starts with prayer. I think it starts with our, our time that we spend with God. For some of you, you're great morning people. I'm looking at a few of you that I know are morning people because you always text me at like 7.30 in the morning. This guy right here, not to name names, his name's Jonathan. <laughs> some of you though, like if I text you, if I call you in the morning, I don't get a text back until later that evening or afternoon. I mean, I can, I can tell you, some of you are morning people, some of you not so much. But here's the cool part. You don't have to be a morning person. Some of the best time that I spend with God is at night. In fact, when it's quiet and the kids are asleep, come on somebody, it's a good day. Now that they're teenagers, it's getting harder and harder to get them to go to bed. I don't know what the deal is. Anybody feel me on that? You feel me on that? Okay, yeah. All of you that have already raised kids, you're like, ha suckers. But there's this, this invitation for us, regardless of where we find ourselves, whether in the morning or at night or even in the noontime, to spend time with him, to have devotional time. Maybe that's not just prayer. Maybe that's opening up the word of God. 
Maybe it's starting a Bible reading this year as we step into 2024. There are some great ways to do that, by the way. The YouTube, or not the YouTube, the YouVersion app has wonderful Bible reading plans where you can actually pinpoint and focus on the love of God. Maybe you just want to do a love study and you want to look at all the ways in which God loves people throughout the scriptures. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're more artsy or maybe you're more tactile. You like to touch stuff and feel stuff. You have a vision board, you know, Pinterest board, whatever it is. And you want to, you want to articulate and, and envision the love of God for you. That's, I think that's so helpful to be immersed in and to be reminded of God's love. What am I talking about? I'm talking about practically putting our trust in his love today. Number two, how do we move from fear to favor? We delight in his commands. We delight in his commands. Now we touched on this a little bit two weeks ago, but here's what first John chapter five, verse one says. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we, the children of God, that we excuse me, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. You might want to underline that or swipe that. For this is the love of God. Wait a second, Pastor Jason, I thought love was just warm, fuzzy feelings. No, it's not. Here it is. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And here's the good news. His commandments are not burdensome, praise God. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that he has overcome the world. This is the victory, our faith. This is, this is so helpful. Now, for, for many of us who didn't know Christ, trying to keep his commandments was very burdensome. But for those of us in Christ, who are new creations, who are born again, who are born as the children of God, who are given this wonderful, beautiful privilege to become his kids, his commandments are not burdensome. So how do we overcome this, this fear in our life? Well, the same way we overcome the world, by faith, by delighting in keeping his commandments. Because how we actually demonstrate faith is by living it out. How we demonstrate, demonstrate faith is through our works. And the works are the commandments. In fact, this is what James chapter two is trying to get at. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says they have faith but do not have any works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and be filled, without actually giving them the things that they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. All right, so a big reason why we are so passionate about stepping into this CityServe initiative in December and beyond is because we believe that this is a, an actual way that we live out our faith, that we demonstrate our faith by delighting in the things that God here has told us to do, to help those that are poorly clothed, to help those that lack daily food, to help those that need the peace of God, to help those that don't know Jesus, amen? And these are the same things that we see all throughout the commandments or the mitzvah given to us by God throughout the Old Testament and scripture. It's beautiful. This is exactly what we see when, when the Psalms tell us that David, King David, for those of you that are familiar with him, delighted himself in the law or in the commandments of God. I want you just to hear a couple of these, these statements from King David. This is often a psalm ascribed to him. But he says things like this in Psalm 119, verse 35. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Verse 47, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Verse 48, I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love. Verse 127, therefore, I love your commandments about 
uh, above gold, above fine gold. Verse 143, trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. And the list goes on and on and on. And if you haven't read Psalm 119, it's one of the longest but most beautiful Psalms in all of the Bible. So how do we do this practically? I think one of the ways that we can do this is by prioritizing things that are important to God. For many of us, we start off our day or start off our week or start off our holidays with things that we've prioritized that give us pleasure, that make us feel good, or sometimes that refill the tank. And of course, all of us need rest, all of us need refreshment, all of us need that to happen. But a lot of times we miss the beautiful invitation in Christmas and around Christmas season to reorient our life and our priorities around things that matter most to God. So what, how do we do that practically? Well, maybe for some of you, it's making a list. And instead of going shopping at Shields, you go over and you help, you know, rake your neighbor's yard or blow the, you know, the leaves around or, or help shovel snow as the snow begins to fall. And, or maybe, maybe it's practically loving your spouse or going on a date with her. I mean, I'm telling you, that should be right at the top of your list, gentlemen. Come on now, ladies, right? That should be at the top of the list. Priorities, they matter because they help us figure out how we actually practically live out these things and demonstrate our faith by our works. It's important. It might sound kind of silly, but I think these are practical things that allow us to learn how to delight ourselves in the things that God invites us to delight in. And it should be fun. You know, I think a lot of times in this, we see David, we see David loving the law and delighting in the commandments and giving himself to the, the works of God. And we're like, okay, good for David. But the truth is, it's like, that is a reality that actually brings us great joy. When we serve people, when we go out to serve, when we, when we do those things, I'll tell you what, it's going to bring you great joy. Making a difference in, in giving is so much more joyful than receiving. Have, has anybody found that to be true? Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. I mean, the, the truth of God in that is for all of us. So how do we move from fear to favor? Of course, we put our trust in his love. We delight in his commands. And number three, we believe his promises. Luke chapter one, verse 31. Let's read it again. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, Mary, and bear forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be, there will be no end. You see, believing in the promise or believing that God keeps his promises is so important because it helps us to play the long game and not the short game. It helps us to keep the big picture in mind, especially when things aren't happening the way that we thought they were supposed to happen. How many of you have been following Jesus for a while enough to know now that his timing is not your timing and that his ways are not always your ways, right? And so believing that God keeps his promises helps keep our hearts rooted in this reality of trusting him, of believing that he's gonna keep his word. Despite the, the delay or the gap or the time lapse that we experience in the here and now, we know that God keeps his promises, that he's faithful to do everything that he said he will do. Did you notice all the he will statements here? He will, here it is, you will conceive and he will be great and he will be called and the Lord God will give and he will reign and of his kingdom there will be be no end. The, the wills of God, the will of God, the will statements of God, they're so important for our life because they remind us that God has a hope and a future for all of us that is beyond our current present tense moment. 
which should encourage you today, as I hope it encourages whoever they're going to help or save, that what you're experiencing right now is not the end of your story. So maybe you came into this place today and you're, and you're struggling in your faith. Or maybe you're frustrated because you feel like you've plateaued. You're like, man, I'm just kind of stuck. Or maybe you're, you're going through a degree of suffering or maybe you got a bad report from the doctor. Or maybe there's things in your life that don't align with this future hope and, and promise of peace and promise of goodness for your life. Can I encourage you today? He will do what he says he will do. He's a God who keeps his promises. So the question that remains for all of us is, do we believe it? Do we believe that God keeps his promises and do we believe those promises? If so, will you and I persevere in the waiting while we trust God to do what he says he will do? Because at the end of the day, the only thing required for any of us to operate in favor, to move from fear to favor, and to experience this wondrous grace in our life is our faith. It's your belief in God doing what he said he would do. It's your belief that he'll keep every one of his promises. It's your belief that he is both with you and for you today. In closing, here's what I wanna say to all of us, and it's what Jesus says to all of us in John chapter 14, verse one. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Can we just pause right there for a moment? That's the invitation for each and every one of us. It was the invitation for Mary. Mary, don't be greatly troubled, don't be afraid. Don't allow the circumstances of your day and what people are gonna think of you as a virgin, somehow conceiving and giving forth life, as someone betrothed to Joseph, who they're gonna assume that you slept with. Don't fear the reality of what is to come. Don't fear your circumstance. Don't be troubled. You are highly favored of the Lord. Let not your heart be troubled, but believe in God and believe also in me, Jesus says. That's the invitation for us, to believe in God to put our faith in God, to put our trust in God, to delight in his commandments today. And in doing so, we step out of fear. We step out of being so rooted and worried about what other people think. Maybe it's fear of rejection. Maybe it's fear of man. Maybe it's fear of the unknown. Maybe it's fear of everything going wrong. And we step into a reality where we go, God, I trust you. I violently and utterly depend on you for everything because I know that you're faithful to keep your promises. Can I tell you, he was faithful with Mary he was faithful with David. He was faithful with Moses. He was faithful with Jonah. He was faithful with Elijah. He was faithful with all of the people within scripture who had to go through what you and I go through. So why would he not be faithful to you? Amen. Amen? So let not your hearts be troubled, church. As you step into this Christmas season, let's do so as a people with hearts that aren't troubled, but that are settled and rooted in this peace that comes from knowing Jesus, this peace that comes from believing in God and believing in his son. Maybe you're here today or you're watching this online, listening to this message, and you've never put your faith or believed in Jesus. I wanna give you a moment to say yes to him today to do that. Church, can we do that together and just pray together right now? Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the invitation to believe in you and to believe in the one whom you have sent you sent your son into this world to die for us, to rescue us, to change us, and to transform us, to give us freedom from bondage, to give us hope like we were singing about this morning. And I wanna pray for that person right now that feels like they're at the end of their rope today. Maybe they stumbled into this place without hope. I come to you today as a messenger of the Lord to encourage you that God sees you, that God is with you, that he loves you, that he has chosen you, and that he has favored you with grace from on high. 
And that grace can never be bought or earned. It can only be received. And so today, if you've never received this free gift of salvation or put your hope in him, I just want to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. We pray it often here at Courageous Church. It goes like this. Jesus, Savior, save me. Save me from myself. Save me from the mess I make of things. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are Emmanuel, God with us. I believe that you came to save me from my sins. I believe that you died on that cross and that God raised you to life again. Come now, fill me with hope. Fill me with peace. Let my heart not be troubled today because you live there. Come live in me. Holy Spirit, fill me all the days of my life and I will love, follow, and trust you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all pray and say amen and amen and amen. Can we just put our hands together for God's word and for anybody today that made that decision? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.